It's time to put down the tools, take off your hard hats, and devour last night's leftovers as we discuss facts, lies, and miscommunications in the Sheet Metal Workers Guide to Local 110. Brothers and sisters, friends, family, strangers, and foes, welcome to the Break Time Breakdown. Dear friends, welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network series, highlighting the work of network members. The growing network of over 70 shows in four countries serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. My name is Evan Papp, and I produce Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, arts, and culture. And we're a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking with Jeremy Waugh of the Break Time Breakdown podcast. So, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and what led you to organize labor? Uh, so, I grew up in the coal regions of Pennsylvania. I grew up in, in a town called Shemokin. And um, as far as... Uh, what led, led me to labor, I, I, I've been working since I'm 12 years old. I've had jobs, I've held jobs my whole life. I've never, there's never been a year since I'm 12 that I, that I hadn't had some sort of job, whether it was uh, landscaping. I worked, man, I've, I've worn a million hats. I've, I've worked at a, at a gun club in the traps, setting clay pigeons up. I've, I've done, uh, I worked at an amusement park, fast food restaurants, a whole deal. And uh, put myself through college. I got a bachelor's degree in art, uh, studio art. And um, when I got out of when I got out of college, the the real journey started. You know, uh, trying to become an adult and figure things out. And uh, I I worked for for quite a few years as a graphic designer. I did uh, IT. I did car sales because I went from so I I was uh, doing art for a career, and I realized that when when my paycheck relied on my creativity, it killed my creativity. And I needed to get away from that. So I knew real quick that I couldn't do, I couldn't rely on being creative to pay my bills because it sucked the energy out of me. So I got into car sales because it was a way to make a lot of money, uh, which I did, but I didn't have a life. So I, I, I realized that I needed to find some sort of a balance where I could, uh, to, not to steal from another member, Harold, but I didn't want to live to work. I wanted to work to live. And the only way I could do that was to find a career that would allow me that financial freedom. So my brother, my younger brother, he's a, a sheet metal worker as well. He's a union sheet metal worker. And I was actually, I was taking him to a doctor's appointment to get metal dug out of his eye. And on the way we were talking about our, our opposing career. So he's a, a sheet metal worker. I'm a car salesman. And he said, he goes, you know, I, I know how I feel about car salesmen. And he's like, when I, with my job, when I finish the end of the day, I can walk away and I can look back and I can see exactly what I did in the eight or 10 or 12 hours. And what I did is going to be there for years to come. I can, we were driving by a hospital and he, and he pointed at it at this very time. 
He pointed and he said, you see all that equipment on the roof of that hospital and those louvers? I said, yeah. He's like, I put those in. I installed that. And I can drive by here. Every time I drive by, I can see that. And I have a, a real sense of pride. He goes, do you have any pride when you sell somebody a car? He goes, let me ask you this. If you sell somebody a car and then you see them out in a bar, are you going to be anxious to go talk to them? Or are you going to hide because you're afraid that they might be upset with you over something? And I'm like, man, that's, I mean, I've, I've experienced that where, you know, I, I never tried to uh, screw anybody over, but you never know. Like cars are car mechanic, uh, machines break down, you know, even brand new ones. And it always, it always fell back on the person that sold it to you. And so I just was like, man, I, I think I need a change. I never considered getting into construction or anything like that. And, and I wasn't really sure what unions were either. I just knew that I needed something that was going to afford me the ability to live. And so I applied for the iron workers and the sheet metal workers at the same time. I got accepted into the iron workers. I tell this all the time and I've got no shame in saying this. I started with the iron workers. After two months, I realized I was too smart to be an iron worker. And so when I got the call for- There's a fighting word somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. But I, when I got the call from uh, sheet metal, I, I jumped ship and, and never looked back. And then in my time as a, a union sheet metal worker, I've been, I was very fortunate. Not everybody gets the opportunity that I got in the way that I got it. Uh, some people are in this trade non-union for many, many years, and some people never get the opportunity to, uh, to, to be in a union for one reason or another. And I learned that, that I like the trade, and part of me liking the trade is because I didn't have the stress of worrying about my money, worrying about my benefits. Like It was all taken care of for me, and it made, it made absolute sense when my life kind of fell in order. And the things that I was seeking were all uh, given to me because I was a union sheet metal worker, not because I was a sheet metal worker. I, I think if I would have gotten into the trade uh, as a non-union guy, I don't, I don't know that I would still be doing it. I remember uh, listening to one of your shows and you spoke about how when you're in the union, that is essentially the business that you're in. And, yes. and could you talk a little bit more about that? Because there's so many people who are outside of unions and don't really understand the, the sure mechanics. yeah so i was i was taught when i was going through my apprenticeship uh, my sheet metal mentor explained it to me this way and, and it all and it made absolute sense to me so we pay dues as union members we pay dues and the way he explained the dues was our our my business is the union so i can be a sheet metal worker anywhere but i can only be a union sheet metal worker in my union and he said, so that's our business. We pay dues to cover our, our overhead, just like any business. And I have the, I have the freedom where I, I'm part of Local 110 now. I started out in Local 44 in Pennsylvania. I'm a part of Local 110 now. I'm under the international's umbrella. If, if I have an issue with my contractor, I, I, I don't work for my contractor. I'm subbed out to my con. I'm basically a sub to my contractor. They need manpower. I'm the manpower. So I go work for them. Uh, when the, when the job's over, or if I have an issue there or whatever the case may be, and it just doesn't work out, it, then it's on to the next one and everything follows me. So, so, so my business is being a union member. My job is performing for whatever contractor I'm, I'm working under. And what, what are some of the benefits? for people who are outside the union and have no benefits? Well, so 
being a being an organizer now i've been an organizer for going on four years now so i'm my job is to recruit the the non-union workers into into our union and we have so our our benefits our benefits are on top of our paycheck so so when you hear uh, our guys right now make 32 plus dollars an hour plus benefits so that $32 an hour, your benefits aren't coming out of that. On the non-union side, if you have any kind of benefits, you're paying for them. So you'll get like, you might get a company matched 401k, which for people that don't know, that's not a retirement. That's a supplemental retirement. That's something to supplement your retirement. So it's not anything you can live off of. Uh, that's going to go away. You know, the longer you spend in retirement, you're chipping away at that 401k savings. Eventually, it's going to be nothing. Um, so it's not sustainable. Our, our health insurance is paid for, it's paid on our behalf by our contractors. So for example, on the, on the non-union side in Kentucky, on average for a single person, they're paying, uh, it's, a, it's around 60, between 60 and $70 a week. Uh, you know, like it's an odd number. It's like 67 bucks a week for an individual. That's a week. For, for a family, it's hundred and like around 170 bucks a week that they're paying. So if you can afford taking, and, and they're not making the money that I'm making on the check either. They're making, you know, that the average uh, wage of a, a non-union sheet metal worker mechanic in Kentucky is around 16 or 17 bucks an hour. So you figure 16 bucks an hour plus you're paying 100 and, 160 bucks a week for insurance out of that check. I mean, that's not much to live on after, after just paying for your, for your health insurance. Not, not to mention the, the co-pays and deductibles and stuff that, that come along with that insurance. Ours is super, super low. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people that it seems like the average for a family, the average, uh, the average deductible is, a, is like anywhere from 7,500 to 10 grand in, in a calendar year. And for us, for families, three grand. So, I mean, that's huge. That's, you're talking big money. So now I'm making double the hourly rate on my check. I'm not paying for my health insurance. And my deductible is, you know, like what, a seventh, maybe a, a tenth of what the, the non-union guy's paying. Um, I mean, that's a lot of money that you're losing out. Those are some pretty heavy non-union dues that the non-union guy's paying. And something I heard you mention in your show that I, I was looking at uh, helping to edit for the Labor Radio Podcast Network uh, weekly uh, was a, a discussion of where's that money going though when, when, a, when you're not in the union and you were just mentioning it goes all to the, the profit of the, the management ownership. Yeah. So if, uh, so a non-union contractor knows what the union guys make. It's, it's, it's public record. Uh, in states that have prevailing wage, we just lost ours a couple years ago. But in prevailing wage states, that prevailing wage is based off of the union package. So when a non-union guy is working on a, a PW job, he's making based off of what the union trade makes. So like, so a non-union contractor knows what that money is, even even in a state that's that's no longer got prevailing wage, like like in Kentucky now, they're still they can they can. They, the, only, the only variable in a job when you're bidding a job is the manpower. That's it. Everything else is the same. Like 
uh, materials cost what they cost. Um, if you got to, uh, if you got to, like permits, uh, lawyers, everything. Yeah, like yeah, everything is every, all like, going to be pretty similar. All the, the other only than the labor. variable. Labor yeah. is the only variable. That's correct. So when when a, a non-union contractor is bidding work, he knows what the what the union guy's got to charge. So let's just say uh, a union contractor charges eighty dollars an hour for manpower. The non-union guy can charge seventy-five dollars an hour. He's he's going to be the low bidder because he's saving on that manpower. But he's only paying his guy 16 bucks. Maybe at the end of it, the total package for that non-union guy is 18, 20 bucks an hour. So he's making almost 50, like what, 50, 55 bucks an hour on that labor that's going right into his profits, into his pocket. So now we can't compete with that guy while he's exploiting his men because he can't exploit the price of materials. Yeah, that's... That's what people need to wake up to all the yes. non-union people who don't understand the importance of, of unions. And if you're a non-union person, just having unions and, and keeping that floor is so damn important it's in the negotiation, extreme. not allowing the underbidding of, of what that, that floor is. So we, uh, we've, been in a, we've been in a race to the bottom for a lot, a lot of years. And the only thing that's keeping it somewhat in check is that unions do exist still. If unions go away, man, it's going to be like, it's not, it's going to be the bottom is just going to drop out. I mean, feudal, feudal uh, times. And it's also the runaway shop. I mean, a lot of the, the moving of factories overseas is also a labor uh, decision sure. To, sure. to go to slave labor, uh, coolie labor, surf labor in these other places, because you, you have to wonder like, okay, you're adding all this transportation cost by moving it all the way over there and then moving it back here. But that's still going to be cheaper because the, you're using slave labor in places like in China. You can't unionize in China. But I'm going to uh, give you an, I'm going to give you a hot take on that. Now, uh, what, what's even worse than that is when they relocate within the United States and they go to more uh, uh, impoverished areas, like automotive in Tennessee and yes, Japanese companies down in Alabama. Where I mean, the it they're still good, like like a a, a Toyota truck or a uh, whatever have you, a Mazda vehicle is still going to cost you what it costs you. You're not going to see that price go down over the next couple of years, but they're going to be making them in a, in a very uh, low income area where they're not paying the wages that they were paying, say here in Kentucky or up in Detroit. Now they can pay almost half. If, if not, they can bust up the union that exists, a UAW up in Detroit. They can bust it up, move it down. They don't even have to move it out of the country anymore. So now they look like they're doing us a, a solid by look at all the jobs we've created in, in the South. Don't worry about what we took away up North. Look at what we created in the South. Oh, these guys are making 12 bucks an hour. So we don't have to pay these guys 20 bucks an hour. But guess now what? None of, now none of the workers can afford the 30, $50,000, you know? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Tacoma you, you, 2020. You know? Yeah. The prices aren't going down on the vehicles. Yep the wages are. So two more questions before we move on. Uh, yes. You did mention the 401k. So does that mean you're, are you talking about a pension then uh, as opposed to the 401k, which is consistent until uh, you pass on or what's that? Yeah. So we, so we have, uh, we, we've got a pension, we've got a defined benefit pension. So I know when I retire, as long as, as long as the government doesn't screw it up for me, I know that uh, when I retire, I'm going to have a set dollar amount that I'm going to get every month for the rest of my life till I'm dead. And with a 401k, a 401k is, a, is like a bucket of money that 
you're going to take out every month, you're going to take out from that bucket and eventually it's going to empty. Whereas my pension is going to go on forever. And then when I pass, if my wife is still alive, she's going to be able to collect on that pension as well. And the stock market is filled with predatory uh, insiders that uh, will loot and pillage anyone they can. So you can lose that entire 401k overnight as well. Yes. I knew a guy uh, previously, he was, uh, he had a, he was, he was a sheet metal worker. He had a 401k uh, to supplement his retirement. And he had been paying into this for his entire career. He retired back in 2008. So you'll understand what the, the significance of that year is. Three months out from him retiring is when the stock market crashed. And he lost $600,000 from his 401k. It, like overnight, it's just gone. And he was three months out from retirement. He, was, he didn't have the time to make that back up. So this is his retirement gift was the government played with, played with our finances for too long. That, that market, uh, the, the housing bubble burst, all that stuff. And he took a huge hit. All right. And then final question for the, <laughs> the super layman. Uh, and then we'll, we'll move yeah. on a little bit about labor news. Uh, sheet metal for yes, what, what is the 101 30 second overview for, for dummies? What, what is a sheet metal worker? Uh, that's an impossible question to answer in, in, in 30 seconds. Honest to God. So that, that's the biggest problem that we have as a, as a trade is if I say, if I ask someone, uh, what does a carpenter do? They know what a carpenter does. If I ask, what is, what's an electrician? You know what an electrician is. The problem with sheet metal, and it's a good problem, is our trade is so vast and we do so, such a variety of things that it's really hard to, it, it, it really is like any given day, my description will change depending on what my job is. So we do everything from, uh, if it's made out of metal, we do it. We either make it we install it pretty much everything that we install, we make. So we'll take a flat piece of metal and turn it into whatever we need it to be, whether it's a duct line, whether it's uh, some sort of ornamental uh, flashing or coping. Uh, we do uh, wall panels, we do roofs, we do, uh, we solder, we weld, we braze. We, I mean, it, it honestly, if we do heavy uh, structural stuff, building big heavy stands for platforms, for, for units that we install, uh, we, we do service work, we balance, uh, uh, climate in in buildings uh it's like it's it's really a, a vast trade but if it's if it's made out of metal we pretty much do it sounds like a very creative art on top yeah. of the an industry and, and a trade as well so when and and so here's another hot take uh that, that other trades might be offended by but we're, we're known as the building trades we used to be called the skilled trades and now it's kind of changed over time where it's just the building trades uh, because, and I'm biased, but we are the last of the skilled trades remaining because we still make everything that we work with. So uh, I don't, there's no other, no other trade that does what we do. Well, yeah, maybe blacksmiths, but that's not a, in high demand. <laughs> Very cool, man. So moving on, for those who may not be interested or aware of labor news, why do yeah. you think unions and organized labor are important and should be covered? We, we've been beaten up for a long, long time because we are the, so we're the bigger group, right? We're not the elite. We're not the, we're not the corporations. We're the working class and we're the voice of the working class. Uh, 
So we have the numbers. We just never had the megaphone. We just never had that big, we didn't have the money or the resources to, to scream our message louder than the people with the money and the power. And I, what's really cool about this, this network in particular is it's, it's a coming together of a bunch of little megaphones. Like we're all in our little areas screaming our message as loud as we can be. And now we're starting to come together and this group is, is, is blossoming. And I, I just think, I just think that the, the voice of, of labor and the working class has been, it's always been kind of muted. Uh, and once we start getting loud, the, the people at the top scream a little louder and they push their message. Like, don't listen to these demons down here. They're, they're you know, they just want you to give them your money so they can, they can take your money. We're, we're trying to give, we're trying to help you. And we, so we, we've just had, we got, we got a bad rap for a little while. I think it's starting to change. Everything, history goes in cycles, works in cycles. And I feel like the labor movement and the union voice is starting to uh, get loud again. And it's, it's definitely needed. Great. Could you talk about your show and how it came together, why you wanted to start your particular show and, and what it's about? Yeah, so, so our show was born in the pandemic. Uh, we, we, we cut off a lot of access to information to our members. Like our, our communications kind of took a, a hit because we couldn't have regular meetings or get togethers to share information. I mean, we, we would, you know, we always send letters out and mail and, you know, we, we still use snail mail, but it, that's a, nobody, nobody really reads. So it's like answering your phone for a, an unknown caller. Like you just don't pick up anymore. You know, everybody's got caller ID that mail comes in and you just throw it on the counter and chances are it's going to get thrown away before you ever open it. It's just, the, it's just the way we're at. We're, we're, we're too fast moving for a slow system. And we were trying to come up with new ways to just stay interact with our membership. And this was something that I, I kind of had a background as a, being in a, a band for a bunch of years, 12, 13, 14 years. I, I had a bit of an audio background and I pretty much had all the equipment. It was just a matter of figuring out how to do it, how, to, how you do a podcast or host a podcast. And it was just something that we decided to, to give a shot to reach out to our members and give them another uh, media to, to interact with us. And it's, it's gone over re really, really well. We've gotten a phenomenal amount of feedback from it. Like all positive feedback. People are, are really enjoying it. And it's not, well, you know, we're not changing the world or anything. We're just, we're just talking. It's just, you know, I, I bring people on to have conversations with just like you and I are having and get people to tune in and hear kind of what's, what's on the mind of the people at the hall, what's on the mind of the, the members or the guests that we have in and sharing, just sharing ideas and, creating new uh, topics to, to discuss like out, out in the field or out on, in the shops or, or what have you. And sometimes you also cover things that aren't spoken like the, the one member when you're talking about black lives black matter, lives matter. And, yeah. um, you know, there's people in unions like across the United States that either don't understand it or are hostile to it. So even sharing that within your networks and circles uh, probably if it didn't open up minds, it at least presented a new perspective. Sure. Yeah. We're having, um, we're, we're, we're also like, I, I refuse to shy away from any topic. I, I've got opinions on things. I think about a lot of stuff. I analyze a lot of stuff and I'm certainly not afraid to get my voice on tape 
share my opinion. And if somebody wants, and I, I tell this to our members all the time or anybody listening, I'm more than happy to have any conversation that anybody wants to have. And I felt like we had that Black Lives Matter talk in the midst of all the protesting that was going on. I mean, we're based out of Louisville, uh, where Breonna Taylor, the Breonna Taylor situation is, I mean, it's the heart of that case. Uh, and, and I just thought it was, I thought it was, uh, I don't mind having the uncomfortable conversations because I think those are the important ones. They're the ones like I can, I can talk about, you know, bourbon and music and whatever. That's easy stuff. Like, let's talk about the real stuff with substance and, and get some ideas out and get people kind of maybe reassessing what the, what they think. And, and also the connection between the labor movement and the black lives matter movement. They're, they're intertwined. They're like the way, the way everything's playing out, like it's, it's all been done before by the labor by the labor, the working class, we've done everything that the Black Lives Matter people are doing. We, we've had the same battles. We've had the same outcomes. We've had people getting murdered. We've had looting and rioting and burning buildings and cars and all that. Like we did it first. So for us to to not recognize that the the battles that they're having is is it's 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 a shame. It's kind of foolish. Like I mean, there's definitely an inner. And uh, it's, it's definitely interconnected. And, and so just kind of bringing that stuff to light. We just had another really good one about addiction and mental health. I think that's another serious topic that people need to start to look at differently. I, uh, um, not to get, you know, too off, off base here, but, you know, I, I just, I, I, I appreciate having those tough conversations because I don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything, but uh, it, it matters. It's, these are important topics. And if I don't care about it, maybe I should. So, and just to, to follow up the civil rights movement and the labor movement, I think are absolutely intertwined. And it's always important to remember that Martin Luther King Jr. He was killed in Memphis for supporting yeah. sanitation workers. Yes. Yes. Time. And so yeah. the, the trifecta that Martin Luther King understood was you need to pair civil rights with anti-imperialism and pro-labor and pro-worker and pro-poor. Uh, supporting the poor people, not pro-poor, that, that comes off. We're, we're all just fighting to be in a better situation than we were yesterday, that's it. Yeah, great. And then kind of moving on a little bit about the, the Labor Radio Podcast Network, you're a member. And yes. uh, could you talk about how you came to it, how you heard about it, and why you think this network is important? You did mention it already a little bit, but. Yeah. How how did you come to it and how did you hear about it? So I, I was actually introduced to it through uh, my international. So the international, uh, Smart International has a podcast and, and they're a part of the Labor Radio Network. And Paul Pimentel, who is, he's one of the hosts of the uh, Smart Talk podcast, reached out to me and he said, hey, when you get your show up and going, here's a group that you might want to connect with, uh, you know, just to help you help you get going and so i'm like all right so i i reached out to harold and chris and and got brought on board and we have the the regular meetings and and i'll be honest with you man in the beginning like so i i i've only missed maybe one or two of the meetings and the more the more i'm a part of it the more it's becoming a part of me like the the network is becoming a part of me because i'm starting to understand 
I'm starting to see the vision that that the guys that started this, like you and and Chris and and Harold. I did not. I mean, I I came on in June actually and just started helping with a little bit of the editing. I mean, it it really was kind of Chris and Harold, but I I feel absolutely the same way, and I I'm I'm all in now. Yeah, but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it, it like so. I just got connected with one of my one of my own sheet metal brothers through Judy, who is a member of the network, who. Uh, was was doing an interview with him and she was like hey i don't know if you're aware of this and kind of passed on his information Heartland labor forum in, in kansas yeah yeah so so like it, it's it's just been really cool like the the way it, it it's it's definitely for anybody that out there that if you have some sort of a labor show or or an interest in it it's definitely an organization to look to for help getting started or help keeping going because there's there's such a, 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 an abundance of resources whether it's you're looking for people to interview you're looking for some sort of content you're looking for advice on how to get a show going i mean we've all been through it and we've all kind of i mean I, I i got going before i knew about you all and now it's like i i'm you know looking back and like man if i was if i had access to this information getting going like i would i would have been up and running real quick and i, I would have uh, been able to skip a bunch of hurdles so it's it's just been it's just been really cool. It's it's a it's a great way for feedback on what what you're doing with your show, and like I said, just just being part of a network of of people with that all have a similar uh, vision. I also love hearing from some of the the grizzled veterans, you know, like yeah, Belter out in San Francisco, and uh, you got Judy Ansel in, in Kansas and you, you have Gene Lance down in, down Texas, in Texas and yeah. on, you know, you got Jerry Mead Lucero in Chicago and, and some other folks that have been doing actual radio for decades. And, yeah. you know, here I am with my, my podcast and I'm just so much gratitude, respect and humbleness around these people who've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So you, that, that kind of, um, that kind of experience is just like to to be able to have access to that is is huge it's huge and, and again man none of us are saving the world you know like we're not curing cancer or anything but we're, we're offering something to even if it's just to kill someone's ride home like kill the the silence in your car on on a ride home i mean i drove uh i got back last night i was on the western part of the state and i drove back last night and, and the whole way I'm listening to podcasts because they're available. I can listen to anything I want to listen to when I want to listen to it. And it, and it like, it keeps me awake on the long drives and, and it feeds me information. And it's just such a, a cool little, a cool little tool. And all I'm doing is I'm pushing play on someone's, someone's material that they just felt like they wanted to say something into a microphone and share it with the world. And I get to uh, listen in on that. And, and gain from what it, you know, whatever they just happen to be thinking at the time. And it's just, it's just such a cool little platform. So in closing, looking into the future of organized labor, where do you see opportunity and hope? Well, I'm a building trades guy. And if you, if you tune into any kind of um, economics reports or financial reports, they'll talk about the, the shortage of, skilled labor that that we're going to be running into 
um, the, the number of electricians that are needed over the next five, five or six years is, I, I don't know that we have enough people coming into the workforce just to cover what the electricians are going to be needing, uh, let alone all the other trades. So there's definitely an opportunity in the building trades. And if there are any women listening, please, please pay attention to this because there is a need for you. There's a need for you in all the trades. And in sheet metal in particular, women do very, very well in our trade because, because of how much we do and, and how, how skilled that we are. Uh, women just take, the, take better instruction. They're, they're easier to teach because they listen and they'll ask the right questions to help them uh, get better at the craft. Not as stubborn and arrogant. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, just give me the hammer. I'll, burn, I'll beat this. Yeah, yeah. So, so women tend to do very, very well and, and uh, have very good careers in sheet metal. Uh, and again, all the trades. I mean, it's not, it's not a man's world by any means. It's, it's our world. And, you know, men are, are taking over jobs that were uh, exclusively for a long time, a woman's job. And women are getting in the fields that were exclusively a men's world and doing very, very well. So, so don't, uh, let, don't let your gender limit you in, in trying to do better for yourself or find a successful career and definitely look into uh, whatever you do, organize so you have the protection of, of a union. A um, little side note on that. We just, we just had a, an arbitration with one of our production shops. We just got the results of our arbitration and we won. So we have 40 members of a production facility that are going to be getting paid money that they would have been screwed out of had it not been for the protection of the union. And congrats to that. So it is two weeks, a little, little over two weeks before the election. And I just want to highlight something that you said in the show that I was listening to last night, where we need to, you know, ask where politicians sit on labor and you had a very interesting point uh could you just express that again we we spoke a little bit about it before yeah uh, before re hitting the record button yeah so i so i discovered uh, in my time as an organizer really is i i've i've always kind of been uh interested in politics uh, just being part of a labor union and we're in we're in like we talked about earlier we're, we're inherently a political organization we have to be you have to pay attention to politics because they dictate what what we're going to do how safe we are on the job um the the monies that we're allowed to make our, our benefits all that kind of stuff is 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 dealt with in legislative branches um and i found that if <clears throat> if a politician i always look at the the very top of their platform whether what are their their top three issues their top three issues are the things that they're going to fight for the most anything other th other than that are just bargaining chips where if for example, let's say for Senate and top of my platform is health and uh, infrastructure and um, legalizing marijuana, right? Those are my top three things. The other side of the aisle can deal with me and say, listen, we want to pass this right to work legislation in your state, but uh, we understand, you know, you got labor on your side. So how about this? Labor is like number six or seven on your list. How about this? What if we work on legalizing marijuana, but let's, let's pass this right to work legislation. And then it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take this victory 
and chalk, chalk up this loss because it doesn't really matter to me anyway. And so if, if labor's not like, and I want it to be number one, if it's not at least in the top three, I'm moving on. Love it. And we need to sing this and shout this yes. at all the politicians and, and put this, these words in the mouths of, of all workers everywhere and yep. force the entire political system to listen and uh, bend to our demands because we are the ones with the power. So. That's right. That's right. Let's take, take the power back. Thank you so much for your time, Jeremy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Had fun. Cool, man. Tune in, everybody. Labor Radio Network. Labor Radio Podcast Network. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear their voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they will until we all come to understand. None of us are free. None of us are free. None of us are free if one of us is chained. None of us are free. None of us are free. None of us are free. None of us are free if one of us is chained. None of us are free. There are people in darkness. They just can't see the light.